our Christian faith can be a little complicated. At times in the gospel uh, tonight, the disciples are perplexed and they can't grasp what Jesus is teaching or showing them. And Jesus says to them, does this shock you? Are you surprised by this, that this truth can be complicated, can be perplexing at times? In the psalm tonight, we sang, many are the troubles of the just one. And in our faith life, we can be troubled. We can be set on edge. We can be, um, we can be put into situations where we're wondering, is this really the will of, where is God in this? Is this, is this really God's will? Uh, am I missing something here? Uh, what really is, what is this about? And we can get perplexed by our faith experience. In the first reading tonight, Joshua says to the people of Israel, decide today whom you will serve. The Israelites were in a terrible spot. They were in a country and a culture that was in the opposite direction of God and of the moral law and of Israel's religion. And that, um, that apostasy, that that uh, lack of faith in God had come into Israel. Uh, in fact, just about three years ago, Becky and I and uh, Eva and um, I think Isaac, our, our youngest son, I think came with us. And maybe Eliza came too. Oh, well, I don't remember when the kids are with, what, which kids are with us and when they're with us. But anyway... Uh, I know Becky's here, but I can't see her right now. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, she'd remember. But we went to Philadelphia to the Franklin Institute because there was the, um, the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, exhibition came. And with it, uh, an archaeological and anthropological exhibition of ancient Israel as well. It was very interesting. Something I had not seen before was the uh, little amulets and uh, idolatry that Israel had adopted in uh, this very ancient period, the period of Joshua, the very period we're reading from in the first reading tonight, they had these little um, deities, little amulets and, uh, and gods and goddesses that Israel had adopted from their pagan neighbors. And this paganism of the exter external culture had actually come into Israel. And this is what Joshua is addressing. This is exactly what Joshua is uh, confronting, that Israel, the people of God, who had the law of God, had actually adopted these pagan practices and brought them right into the heart of Israel. And it was causing tremendous distress and conflict and perplexity and confusion 
uh, and distress within the people of Israel. And Joshua confronts them, and he says to them, decide today whom you will serve. You know, we can't control uh, what happens to us. You and I can't control our context. Things happen, and they happen to us from the outside. We can't always control that. Most times we can't. But what we can control is our response to those things that happen to us. We can't control the outside, but we can control the inside. What is my response to what is happening around me or to me? And Joshua says to Israel, you decide today. You decide whom you will serve, who you will follow. You decide that. That's our response. That's my internal response to external circumstances. I can choose to respond in a certain way. Here, all this idolatry, all this paganism uh, was coming in from the culture of the uh, Amorites, the foreign culture around them. And Joshua says, but you're in control of your response. What will you do? How will you respond to what's happening? In the second reading, Paul says that we are to live in love. Love is an action. It's a verb. It's something we choose to do, to express. Love is deliberate. It is intentional. I form the intention to love, and then I act in love, something I deliberately do. Love is not something that just happens. We use the term fall in love, like falling into a hole in the ground. But we don't fall in love. We choose to love. It's something we determine to do. And this is the action here that Joshua is calling Israel. Will you love God nevertheless? In spite of all this that's taking place, will you still love God? That's your choice, Joshua says. You decide. That comes from within, not from without. You do what you choose to do. In the gospel this evening, Jesus tells us where this comes from, this response of mine. Uh, Where does it come from? He says, the Spirit, it is the Spirit that gives life. The Spirit. My two mentors, Dr. Viktor Frankl, uh, the uh, Austrian Jewish psychiatrist and psychoanalyst um, who survived uh, the Auschwitz extermination camp, Dr. Frankel, uh, talks about our responsiveness or responsibility arises from our spirit, the spirit. And he says, the spirit is the seed of creativity and freedom creativity and freedom. And my 
second, my most important mentor, Edith Stein, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, German, Polish, Jewish, Catholic, Carmelite sister, philosopher, phenomenologist, psychologist, feminist, uh, St. Teresa Benedicta, Edith Stein. Edith Stein said the spirit is the seat of the conscience, the deepest part of the self where an individual goes in, she said, and sorts things out and makes judgments about them. So if you put Frankel and Stein together, uh, Edith Stein, martyr who died in Auschwitz, Frankel who survived Auschwitz, you put the two together and you have the spirit as the place of the conscience, the deepest sense of self, and freedom, and creativity. And it's from that spirit, which makes us distinctly human, where we come up with our response, we can respond. Becky and I have a dear, dear friend. She's passed away now three years. Uh, Rose Price, who is a Polish-Jewish woman, uh, who was confined in the extermination camp, Nazi, uh, not extermination camp, but a forced labor camp with her mother. Her father was sent to the extermination camp and died there. She and her mother were put into uh, a, uh, a slave labor camp. And, uh, and uh, Rose, she was uh, from the time she was nine to the time she was 12 years old, she was in the forced labor camp. And she told us that uh, her mother, she, she was too young to, to do this, the labor. So during the day, they would chain her to a post in the ground in the wooden hut that they lived in. And her mother would be sent out in slave labor uh, from dawn till dusk. And she would come back at night. And uh, Rose would be chained to the post and this was from the time she was 9 to the time she was 11 years old, because by the time she was 12, she was then sent into labor. But she was chained to the post, so all day long she was, she was just uh, chained there. And she said, but on Sunday morning, uh, she would hear the church bells ringing. And uh, she would watch, she, when she heard the church bells, she would press herself up real close to the, 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 wooden, the, the wood slats, and she could see through them, and she could see the people from the village walking up the hill to the church uh, as the bells were ringing. The, 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 whole, the village would come up, and they would pass right by the labor camp, and she could see them there. And she, used, she said she, she would imagine at first just this little child, um, uh, nine years old, ten years old, uh, 11 years old, and she would look out and she would see the people coming to church and she would think, oh, soon they'll come and get us. But they never did. They just kept walking by. Uh, they just kept walking by the camp to church and then back again. But she said eventually she began to imagine. She held in her mind. She could imagine when she would be free to be able to walk like that on the hill. And so that became a, an image of hope to her because she could imagine herself walking freely with them, even though she was chained year after year to that post. She could watch, and she could imagine herself, and she became free in her imagination. She survived 
uh, that horrific, horrendous period of deprivation and suffering. Uh, and we, we befriended her uh, in the last 15 or so years of her life. But, uh, but that was always a very powerful image. Uh, and this is what Frankel and Stein say uh, is the place of true freedom. It's the freedom interior within us where we have this power of creativity, imagination, and we can hold forth an imagined image that frees us to be able to make the right responses even to terrible conditions, even to terrible threatening conditions. We can't control the circumstances, but we can control our response to them. And so our Lord says to, says to his disciples, it is the spirit, it is the spirit that uh, gives life. And life has to include hope. We use our imagination. We're created in the image and likeness of God. Image of God. I am the image of God. Just say that for a moment. I am the image of God. Now, image and imagination. Just say image with me. Imagination. Say that, please. All right, so image and imagination are very close, aren't they? This is a gift from God. We can use our imagination to see something better and then we can move in ourselves, we can respond so that we can move toward that degree of progress and hope and hopefulness. Something better. Something that we would prefer over our present reality. So in the gospel today, we have this hope that we have this spirit within us which is responsive to God. I always say that we are made up of three parts. The human person is made up of three dimensions. The body, that goes without saying, right? Right here. The soul, which is the place where the, uh, the body meets the spirit, and then the spirit. The spirit is our purest self, most like God, most responsive to God. Our soul is what interprets the spirit to the body and the body to the spirit, and the body is what's furthest from God and least like him, even though we're a whole person. But nevertheless, the spirit is the most like God and most responsive to God. And so it's the spirit that gives life. It's in the spirit that I form my response to my circumstances. And we can use that imagination that God gives us to imagine something better than what we have right now, and we can take action on that by beginning to make the right responses to our circumstances, just as Rose made her response in her little child's mind to a hopeful future. So we can respond to our circumstances even when it appears that all is lost. We can imagine a better outcome, and begin to respond accordingly. It is the spirit that gives life.